0: The Gospel of John, chapter 15, we're going to begin with verse 9. John, chapter 15, and verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Well, that is a, an amazing thing that God loves us and that Jesus loves us even as the Father, God uh, loves Him. But then he says, he takes it a little further and he says, continue ye in my love. Well, I believe that the key ingredient to your success in any relationship that you have is love. And we're not just talking about natural love, but rather we're talking about the love of God or the agape, which is the Greek word for the love of God. It's the kind of love that God has on the inside of Him and the kind of love that God has expressed to humanity. And He has shown His love, and we see in John chapter 3, verse 16... That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. We know from uh, Romans chapter 5 that God commended His love, or other translations say He proved His love toward us. He commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So then Jesus loved us when we were not really anything lovable. He loved us when we were sinners. He loved us when we were without hope and without God. He loved us when we were uh, uh, opposed to Him. He loved us even if we hated God or we uh, had done all kinds of things against Him, yet He still loved us. God loved humanity. God created man in His image and after His likeness, and yet Adam uh, sinned against God, he sinned against God, disobeyed god and and so, as a result, sin came into the human race, and we'd all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and yet God loved us still, and so much so that he was willing to send his son Jesus, to die for us, He was willing to uh send his son from heaven. Uh, to give his life in our place as our substitute. And Jesus was willing to come down from heaven, walk as a man, live as a man, and be tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. And Jesus lived out his life here, and then he went to the cross and died in our place. So Jesus loved us as the Father loved him. And His love is a giving love. Or His love is a self-sacrificing love. Or His love is a love that is willing to lay down His life for us. So if Jesus was willing to lay down His life for us and give His all for us, then that tells me that we are to give something of ourselves for someone else. So he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. So in all of your relationships, love is the key ingredient. It is the ingredient that enables you to succeed in every relationship that you have. Whether it's your uh, husband and wife relationship, a friendship, a uh, spiritual relationship in the church, a relationship with persons on the job in any relationship, the love of God is the key ingredient. Not in, Because of your work relationship, sometimes you have relationships that are not necessarily uh, in mutual agreement in the sense of they're not saved, they're not born again, they, do not, they don't have a personal relationship with God, so they don't have the same understanding that you have of God and love and forgiveness and grace, but nevertheless, you do. And so you take your place and stand in the grace of God and exercise the love of God that is on the inside of you. The moment you were born again, God's love came on the inside. The moment you were born again, you were born of love. 1 John says, God is love. He that dwells in God dwells in love and God in him. So then when you're born again, the love of God comes on the inside of you. Peter tells us, in the, in the epistle of Peter, he tells us that we have been made partakers of the divine nature. The primary ingredient of God's nature is love. God is love. That's who God is. And the primary ingredient in you as a believer, now that you're in Christ, is love. And many times people do not understand that, but we know that Galatians tells us in chapter 5 that love is the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the fruit of the recreated spirit, the spirit that has been born again. Now that you are saved, a child of God, love is one of the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and faith. There are fruit that are to come out of your life or to come out of your spirit or grow out of the inside of you. So as a believer, you have the capacity, you have the potential, you have the ability to develop the fruit Of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and so on. But the love of God, I believe, activates all of the other fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if you're walking in love, love is kind. Love is patient. Love is going to be patient. So one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. So if you are walking in love, then you're going to be patient. Now, we all have times that uh, we are tempted to be impatient. And we all have times when we are tempted to be uh, the opposite of long-suffering. But long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. And if you're walking in love, then you're going to exercise long-suffering. Jesus suffered long. He suffered in our place even though we were not doing anything for Him. We were not doing anything of any good nature toward him, but rather even the people that crucified him, he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. So imagine Jesus hanging on the cross, and while they're crying, crucify him, crucify him, and while they're actually driving the nails in his hands, his attitude toward them is that I forgive them. Father, forgive them. When Stephen was being stoned, Uh, throwing rocks at him until he died. While he was uh, being stoned, uh, he was saying, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. While he's being killed for his faith, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the book of Acts, we find that uh, Philip said, Forgive them. So just like Jesus forgave them, Philip was able to forgive And I believe you as well have the ability to love when people don't treat you in the way that you should be treated. When people don't treat you with dignity, whether it's your husband or your wife or a friend or an enemy. The scriptures teach us that we are to love our enemies. So then, you are to love no matter what people do. And have an attitude of love. The God kind of love. Now, how is it that I can do this? Well... First of all, you cannot do it within your flesh. Secondly, you cannot do it all by yourself. Thirdly, you cannot do it if you're not born again. You cannot do what God has commanded you to do if you're not saved or born again. And you cannot do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. And so, when you're born again, you have the potential to love the way God loves. He said, for us to continue in the same kind of love that the Father had toward Him, that Jesus has toward you. He said, now you continue in my love. So then, we must have the ability to do it if God commands us to do it. So God has given us the ability by giving us a new birth, putting his nature on the inside of us, putting the love of God on the inside of us. But how are we as Christians going to fulfill the command of God? Galatians 2 and verse 20 says, I was crucified with Christ. The Apostle Paul speaking there, he said, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet not I, but Christ lives in me. He said, it's no longer I that lives. My old self was crucified. It's no longer I, but it's Christ. So the way you can do this or have the ability or potential to do this is because Jesus lives in you. Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus lives in you. You have the ability of Christ on the inside of you. You have the same kind of life in you that God has on the inside of him. As the Father hath life in himself, John five twenty six says, As the Father hath life in himself, so is he given to the Son to have life in himself. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So you, God has sent Jesus to give you the same kind of life that is in him. God put his life in you. His life is his nature. And in his nature is this ingredient called love. Love is the key ingredient. You have it on the inside. Now, he said, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So that means I died with Christ, I was crucified with Christ, my old self is dead, and a new self has come, a new life has come. But then he said, and the life I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there is another step in Christianity. First, you get born again. Secondly, the life you live now in the flesh, you live by the faith of the Son of God. Because when you... Are challenged. In other words, when people do things that are not appropriate or not proper, whether in their words, in their attitude, their actions, whatever they do towards you, then your natural response or your fleshly response would be to be angry or, or to get back at them. And they deserve pain. They inflicted pain on me. I'm going to cause some pain for them. So the attitude of the flesh is that. But yet on the inside, there's something greater that supersedes your flesh and 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 supersede your natural mind. Now, he said, the life I live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God. So then if I am going to overcome my flesh and overcome in my flesh while I'm still living in the flesh, then I'm going to have to receive something from God, the Word of God, that causes me to develop and grow the fruit that is on the inside of me. I have the potential. You have the potential to develop that fruit. But if you don't feed on the Word of God, if you don't know who you are and what you have in Christ, then how are you going to grow in that? How are you going to express what's on the inside on the outside? So then when your mind is challenged, you have to go to the Word. And God says that the same kind of love that He has toward me or toward Jesus, Jesus has toward me, and I can continue in that same kind of love, then if I can do that, then I'm going to act upon that and activate the love of God in my heart. So rather than yielding to your flesh, you yield to the, your spirit, and your spirit man gains the ascendancy, and the inner man or the spirit man that's full of the life of God and the life of God because you're feeding on the Word of God, gains ascendancy, overcomes your flesh, your words, and your response is appropriate because you're able to walk in the love of God. Are you following me? So there's love on the inside, but you got to feed that love in order for that love to develop in your life or to develop in your experience or to develop in your lifestyle. You can control your flesh, but if you choose not to, you will not. You can control your flesh, but if your flesh is fed continually on fleshly things, then your flesh will win out. But if you feed your spirit, your spirit man will gain the ascendancy and your spirit will win the battle because all of us are challenged. And you will be challenged in life whether or not you're going to walk in love. But the choice is yours. You can put the reins on your flesh, so to speak. The book of James tells us that you can control your body. But the way you control it is through your tongue. So when somebody speaks inappropriately to you, your response needs to be the right words. A soft answer turns away wrath. So don't be so quick to speak. James tells us, slow to speak, slow to wrath, because the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. In other words, if you just try to get back at them and you're going you're to show them a few things, you're going to show them how it feels, you're going to make sure they feel the pain back, well, if you take that attitude, there will be another counterattack, and so It goes on. But if you take the attitude of love and forgiveness and kindness, and many times you can win in that relationship. And love never fails. I said love never fails. Now, I understand in any relationship, it is both parties coming to the table. In any relationship, whether it's a marriage relationship or friendship, whatever kind of relationship, two people have to be willing to make some changes. If you're going to have long-term relationship, if you're going to have a long-term marriage, if you're going to make it in your marriage, you're going to have to have both parties that are willing to do the right thing in order to have the best will of God occur in your life. Now, we're not just wanting to survive. We want to thrive. We want to enjoy the journey. You want to enjoy your marriage. You want to enjoy your friendships. You want to enjoy people that are in your life. And in order to do so, then you're going to have to invest Now, sometimes in relationships, the initial investment may be from one party. But as time goes along, there must be some reciprocal. There must be some giving of the other party as well. If both parties are willing to invest in any relationship, then you're going to have a positive outcome. Two people working together in the love of God can win in any situation. Now, every relationship is challenged. I said every relationship is challenged. Marriage is challenged. Uh, Your friendships are challenged. Uh, Any work relationship would be challenged. A spiritual relationship, whatever kind of relationship it may be, there will be challenges that come your way. But in those things, in those challenges, you need to learn to walk in love and respond appropriately so that you can develop the right type of relationship. And it becomes a win-win relationship, both Parties are winning. Both parties. Some people live like I always have to win. Well, if you always have to win, your wife is not going to be happy. Your husband is not going to be happy. Your children are not going to be happy. Your friends are not going to be happy. Why? Because you always have to be right, and you always have to win. And if you always have to be right, then guess what? Somebody's got to be wrong. So, admittance to wrong is one step in the right direction in healing relationships. Many times we don't want to admit we're wrong. We just want the other party to admit that they're wrong. But if you will acknowledge you're wrong, or maybe you're partially wrong, they're partially wrong, but either way, if both parties will come together and admit where you're wrong and, it, and acknowledge that, then it helps to heal. And you, you, you find that the grace of God comes in on the relationship and the peace of God can be restored to your friendship, your marriage, your home, whatever relationship it may be. Peace can be restored because you're willing to say, I'm sorry. Amen. And you're willing to repent. And real repentance acknowledges not only that you did wrong, but what you did wrong. Have you ever noticed that some people, they'll say they're wrong, but they're skirting the issue? Not you, of course, but some people. You know, uh, they they really don't want to admit what they did wrong. They just want to say, "Uh, I'm sorry, and just let's go on with the program. I mean, it's a big step to admit they're sorry. But the tone of sorry does matter. And the attitude with which you say, I'm sorry, does matter. So if you want real relationship, you have to have true repentance. If you want real relationship, long-standing relationship, then you have to be willing to say I'm sorry and what you're sorry for and admit you're wrong, and when you do, it causes grace to be released. If you want real relationship with God, you have to be honest with God. If you want real relationship with people, you have to be honest with people. People who are not honest with one another, whether a marriage or friendship, generally there will be some issues that come up and arise, and you will not survive if you're not honest with your relationship. But God requires it in your relationship with Him. And God wants you to have an honest relationship with others. And a love relationship, let love be the key ingredients that bonds you together or holds you together. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So being obedient to the commandments of God causes you to abide in the love of God. If Jesus, think about it, we are to love like Jesus loves. And if Jesus abided in the Father's love by keeping His commandments, you will abide in the Father's love by keeping God's commandments. Now, if you're abiding in His love, if you're doing the Word, then that means you're treating your brother properly. You're treating your sister. You're treating your wife. You're treating your children. You're treating people in your relationship circle with respect, with honor. One of the things that you're supposed to do, we talked about, uh, husbands are to honor their wives. Children are to honor their parents, their father and their mother. Wives are to respect their husband. Everybody wants respect everybody wants respect in any relationship. So then if there is going to be true respect in a relationship, then there's going to have to be some acknowledgement at times that you're wrong and they're right. Praise the Lord. Or maybe you're both wrong and God's right. In every case, God's always right. So the commandments of God are your guide. And if you keep the Word of God as your guide, if you keep the Word of God as your the guide for your life, then you'll always come to the, right, uh, uh, to the right conclusion because you have managed to keep the Word as your first priority. Praise the Lord. So he said, if you could keep the commandments of God, you abide in His love. Verse 11, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that my joy and that your joy might be full. So, then you see here that your love life or the way you uh, walk in love affects your joy level. If you don't walk in love, your joy is not going to be full. So, generally, if you're irritated with people, it saps your joy, doesn't it? If you're irritated with your wife, you're not real happy. If you're irritated with your husband, you're not real happy. If you're irritated with your children, you're not happy. If you're irritated with your parents, you're not happy. If you're irritated with your friends, you're not happy. What happens is you have allowed what they did, what they said, their action, the way they communicated, you have allowed that to affect your love life. You have not chosen love over anger. You have not chosen love over uh, uh, anxiety or, or, or fear. You have chosen to yield to your emotion and yield to your flesh and let it get the best of you and it saps your joy. But if you want to maintain joy in your life, then you have to maintain your love walk. Love will cause your your joy level to stay full. Praise the Lord. The next verse is, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, uh, some people are real good at loving God and worshiping God. Lord, I just love you. They come to church and they raise their hands and say, Lord, I love you. I worship you, Jesus but when it when they uh, they look out of the corner of their eye, God, I can't stand her. She, <laughs> who does she think she is? They said, Jesus, I worship you, but my wife is irritating. Jesus, I love you, but my children, you know, we always blame somebody else for our attitude. Well, really, other people are not responsible for your attitude. And the truth is, nobody can control your attitude unless you allow them to. And you're allowing their uh, action to irritate you to the point that you develop a wrong attitude. is really control. Now, if you allow that, some people will figure out what makes you tick. Some people, because they like that control, they just push that little button just to see what happens. They enjoy the reaction. See that? Your children learn how to do that. See that? See what I got? See what I can do? Mama jumps when I push that button. See that? (laughs) Then husbands do it to their wives. Watch her. It's like a game. Watch this. Wives do it to their husbands. People do it to their friends. You know, a little humor in your life, I'm not opposed to, but you know, you don't want to overdo that plan. Why? Because after a while, it's an irritant. And you're just highlighting the negative rather than the positive. Come on. And if you always highlight the negative, what happens is your view of that individual becomes that. So the way you see them is through the lens of your own unrenewed mind. When really you want to see them through the lens of God's love. And love believes the best of every person. So love can see the problem or see the issues but yet believe better. Love is a pulling power that pulls people out of darkness into light. Love is a power that when it believes in people, it lifts them up to another level. It lifts them to a level of obedience to God and lifts them to a level of expectancy even of themselves. That they can do better than they have done. When you love somebody, you believe in them. Because the scripture says love believes the best of every person. So then if you love them, it draws the best out of them. If you're always criticizing people, what you find out is they will live up to your expectations and they'll outdo your expectations. They will eventually, if you're constantly criticizing your children, they'll do what you are criticizing them for and sometimes on purpose whether they consciously do that or not so then you want to build them up you want to believe in them you want to love them you want to love your husband and sometimes uh, when your husband repeats a matter again and again you just kind of well that's the way he is and that's the lens you see him with and then your wife she does this a lot so that's the lens you see them with and what what you're doing is you're developing your image of that individual when really we ought to believe in them enough to develop a new image and a new picture and believe that God is able to work in their heart, work in their life, change them, it is possible for your wife to change. It is possible for your husband to change. Say, well, she's been this way all all of our life that we've been together. Well, I I, I appreciate that reality, but I want to tell you that God can change her. Hallelujah. And God can change you. Wives, God can change your husband. Now, you're not going to change their basic personality, but you can change or temper that personality with the love of God or with the fruit of the Spirit. Praise God. You can change. God can change you if you will allow him to. But it's not automatic. No one changes automatically. It's not, Christianity is not automatic pilot. It's daily working on God. The program its daily. Nobody has this mastered. So uh, we we all know that. So don't look at your neighbor and say, well, I I, I wish uh, I was like her. I mean, although they may be a good example, Jesus is your best example. Praise the Lord. Nobody's got it mastered. So we're all still working on the program. But understand that if you uh, will work on it, that you'll get better at it. If you're going to be proficient at anything, you have to work at it. Isn't that right? If you're going to be excellent or you're going to be a master at anything, whether a master craftsman, a, a, a basketball player, baseball player, whatever you uh, uh, aspire to do, if you're going to be a master at it, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to even critique yourself. So you need to give yourself, on a consistent basis, a love test. Not to the point that you beat yourself down, but be willing to self-examine. If you'll self-examine your attitude, self-examine your own words, your own actions, how you're treating other people, whether your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your friends, your relationships, wherever those relationships are, if you will evaluate your attitude. Some people are real good at evaluating other people. So they're on their constant quest of evaluating others and saying what's wrong with them. Well, what you need to do is evaluate yourself. Not, not again, to the extent that you are demeaning to yourself or, or condemning yourself, but evaluate yourself and then say, God, help me to walk in the love of God and to grow and develop in my attitude toward people. Develop the love of God. Now, your mind has to be renewed to the Word. So that's why you have to feed on the Word of God until your thinking changes, your attitude changes. Meditate on the Word every day of your life. I would encourage you to take 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, and especially in the Amplified Bible. Read it every day to yourself. Confess it every day to yourself for at least 30 days. There are guaranteed results. It will change your life if you will do it consistently and meditate on the Word until you see what God's definition of love is and extract from the Word faith. The Word produces faith in your heart. So the point is to raise your standard. And I believe the church should raise the standard. If anybody should have a standard of love, the church is the one. So then the love of God should be uh, maintained in our life. Christians should maintain a standard of walking in the love of God toward relationships in their life. He says, this is my commandment, verse 12, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus laid down his life for us. Now, he didn't just lay down his life for friends. He laid down his life for enemies. But greater love than this has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Jesus gave his life, and we are to give of ourselves toward others. Verse 17, if you'll skip down with me. These things I command you, that you love one another. So then, this is a commandment. This is not a suggestion. We, you know, God didn't have a suggestion box in the foyer of the synagogue, and see, see what we were going to develop for New Testament principle. You know, so God didn't have a suggestion box. See how we're going to how we're going to uh, deal with this, and what are we going to do? No, this is a commandment. So when Jesus was on the earth, when he went into the synagogue, he preached the gospel. When Jesus was uh, in the street, he preached the gospel. When Jesus was uh, by the shores of Galilee, what did he do? He preached the word of God. And so he developed what our belief system should be. Now, religion has this tendency for us to develop our own belief of the Bible. In other words, we are going to develop our own ideas. And if you examine Christianity in the last 30 years, denominations, and people's belief system, you would find that people have developed another belief system that is outside of the Bible. So they create their own philosophy. They create their own ideas. And they see if it's acceptable or if it's palatable to our society. If it is palatable, then it must be good. Well, everything that is acceptable in society is not necessarily God nor good. So you have to develop your faith based on the Word of God. Your attitude about life and about people should be developed through the Word of God. And God says that we are commanded to love one another. We are, to com- we are commanded to love our brother. We are commanded to love uh, people in our family. We are commanded to love people in general, even our enemies. It is a command of God. Let's go to Romans chapter 13, please. Romans chapter 13. Here in Romans 13 and verse 7. It says, render therefore to all their dues tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now we have studied in past lessons that husbands in 1 Peter 3 are to honor their wives. We saw as well that children are to honor their father and their mother. We've seen as well that Wives are to respect and to reverence and honor their husbands. So the relationships that God has instituted is to be an honor relationship, a love relationship, a respect relationship. So he says you are to give honor to whom honor is due. Verse eight: 8, ne- O no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth hath Another hath fulfilled the law. Owe no man anything but to love one another. So this is a debt that every believer has. We are to love our brother, love our sister, love our family, love people that we're in relationship with. It is a command of God. Owe no man anything but to love one another. He that loves has fulfilled the law. Now let's go to the next verse. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery. In other words, if you love someone, you're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to commit adultery against your wife or your husband if you love your husband or your wife. No, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. So, the love of God being the ingredient that is in the believer's heart. If you develop that love, it enables you to keep the commandments without... Just living by the commandments. Even though we're not under the law, the commandments are still godly. Right? You're not under the law, but under grace. But it's the grace of God, the love of God that is on the inside of you that enables you not to commit adultery. And you would not if you are walking in love. Now, you say, well, I don't. You know, sometimes people uh, in counseling, they say, well, I don't love my husband anymore. Or I don't love my wife anymore but I love this person. Of course, they don't tell you that part. They just tell you I don't love them anymore because of all the water that's been under the bridge, all of the pain, all of the hurt. I don't love this individual anymore. And so then they choose. Now, the truth is it's just... Perhaps emotional abuse, and it might be, uh, you know, some things that were totally wrong and, and, and were very hurtful, but many times it just beats down their emotions until they don't feel the same that they used to feel. They don't have the same affection that they used to have. They don't have the same feelings that they used to have. So they say, I don't love them anymore. Well, agape is still in your heart, love of God is still in your heart. You have to resist the devil. You have to resist the flesh. You have to cast down imaginations. You have to choose to love. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love will produce a feeling, but love itself is not a feeling. Love is a choice. It's an attitude that you choose to have because you believe the Bible has commanded you to love and that God didn't suggest you to love. He commanded you to love. He didn't take a suggestion box say, Who who wants to uh, make the guidelines for the Scripture or the New Testament? No. He said, that this is my commandment, that you love one another. So then if you love somebody, you're not going to commit adultery. You say, well, I love that person over there. No, you don't love them. You're lusting for them. It's, it starts with L, but it's not same spelling. It, it, it's called lust. It's not love. And so love, again, is not just an emotion or a feeling or an attraction even. And so you have to guide your emotions. You have to tell your emotions the way it is. You have to command your emotions. You have to command your flesh. You have to uh, uh, shut down your flesh because sometimes it's mad. And because it's mad, it has other ideas. Am I relating? Praise the Lord. So secondly, he says, thou shalt not kill. Well, you're certainly not going to kill somebody if you love them. And some people, they just, well, they just want them to die a slow death. (laughs) They want to watch them feel the pain. But if you love somebody, thou shalt not kill. You're not going to kill somebody. Or you shall not commit murder. You're not going to do something uh, to, to destroy life or to take their life. And then next he says, thou shalt not steal. You say, well, you know, Pastor, I really haven't robbed any banks in my life, or I, d- I never did stop at the stop and go, and take the cash with me. You know, I, I I never I never stole from anybody. You know, but many times it's not the stop and go or the bank; it's the business deal, it's uh, changing the numbers, it's. Uh, Uh, Playing with the uh, the process. It's working the deal, you know. It's the way you do business sometimes is uh, sometimes even uh, undermining and taking away from people or stealing or not telling the truth about the business deal. Come on. Let's relate with church people. I trust that you're not stopping at the bank and robbing the bank. But the way you do business, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. He said, thou shalt not bear false witness. In other words, if you love somebody, you're not going to lie about them. Say, so, well, Pastor, I never have been on the witness stand. And I, well, you're on the witness stand every day. Before God. In other words, if you're telling something that is false or untrue, and you're, and, and sometimes it's, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? If you get ten people in the same circle, and you start a story here, and then they tell it, and 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 they tell it, until it gets back to you, it generally doesn't come back the same way it left. Anybody ever notice that? Never never seems to come back quite the same, usually slanted. Then it's slanted again, slanted again, slanted again by the time it gets back. So you say, well, I didn't intentionally tell a lie. Well, you need to keep it the way it is. You know, do your best to make sure the story is correct. It's accurate. Right? Especially if it would destroy that person's character, or at least a picture of their character. It would demean that person. It would uh, uh, hurt them in their other relationships. And so many times people are manipulative, not you of course, but people in general, you you know, sometimes somebody out there, and, and they are, they're manipulating relationships because they don't tell the truth. They, t- they tell one story when they're in one person's presence, then they tell another story over here, and then they tell another story over here, or they manipulate relationships. I can tell you, you're really going to uh, find out that it's going to kick you in the seat of the pants eventually, and it's gonna, life is going to drop you, and it's going to be a drop kick, and you're going to find out that you sowed some seed, and eventually it's going to kick you in your pants, and it's going to hurt. And you meant it to hurt somebody else, but it's going to hurt you more because you are the sower of the seed. And your seed is your harvest, not their seed. I'm preaching real good. Come on, telling the truth. You understand, whatever you sow is what you reap. If you sow that kind of seed, it's going to eventually get back home. It's called a boomerang. How many remember those boomerangs when you were a kid? You know, you throw it out there, and if you don't watch it, it's going to slap you right upside of the head. The, the, The point is you throw it out there, and then you catch it when it comes back. But if you don't keep your eye, and most people that lie don't keep their eye. Because you can't keep enough in your head to keep the trail correct. You don't even know what you said last. I've dealt with enough people to understand. Some people can't even keep up with their own trash. You know, they by the time it gets back, oh, did I say, yep, you said that and this and this and this and this. But if you tell the truth, you don't have to clutter your soul. I said, if you tell the truth, you don't have to clutter your mind keeping up with the last thing you said. Just tell the truth, the whole truth, so help me God. Praise the Lord. Don't be a false witness. Thou shalt not covet. Somebody drives up in a new car, be thankful for them. Be happy that they showed up. They got blessed. Uh, Who do they think they are? Well, they are who they are, and you might as well enjoy their blessing. Rejoice, the Bible says, rejoice with those that do rejoice. When somebody gets blessed, you ought to be happy. She got a new dress, be happy. Whatever somebody else is enjoying, you ought to be thankful and happy and rejoice with those that do rejoice. Don't covet what they have. Don't covet their wife. Don't covet their husband. Don't covet their stuff. Don't covet their car. Don't covet their house. Come on. Thou shalt not covet. Now, these are all commandments. How many are glad the list is getting shorter? But listen. He said if you. If you love, you won't do these things. If there be any other commandments or anything like this, he said, is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love your neighbor as thyself. If you're loving your neighbor as yourself, next verse, love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Love works no ill to his neighbor. So then that means you need to consider what you're saying and how it could affect that person. That means you need to consider what you're doing and how it could affect that person. Would I want the same effect in my life that I am perhaps inflicting upon their life? He said you're to love your neighbor as yourself. It's comprehended in this principle. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to commit adultery. Come on. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to steal or you're not going to kill. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to uh, covet what belongs to them. It belongs to them. They worked for it or however they got it. We don't know. All I know is that it's not mine. It's theirs, and it's not mine. doesn't have my name on it, and it doesn't have my signature on the, uh, on the due bill either. Praise the Lord. So I will not be paying the mortgage. I will not be paying uh, the car payment. It's theirs. It belongs to them. If they paid for it already, I rejoice even more. I'm thankful. Praise the Lord. They got it paid for, but it's theirs, and I'm going to be happy that they got it. It thrills my heart that they got blessed. Praise God. But if you, if you love your neighbor, then you don't want what belongs to them. You want your own. And if you honor God, you'll get your own. Praise the Lord. If you do the right thing, you'll get your own wife. Right? If you do the right thing, you'll get your own husband. If you do the right thing, uh, you'll get your own stuff. Praise the Lord. He said love works no ill to his neighbor. So if... If you would evaluate your attitude, evaluate your words, evaluate your action before you take it. Now, most people think after they speak, not wise. Proverbs warns against that. So if you want an exact life or you want a life of blessing, then you need to examine your words before you say them. And if you want godly relationships, and if you want long-term relationships, you need to evaluate your words before you say them. If you want long-term marriage, you're going to have to evaluate your words. You're going to have to evaluate your attitude. You're going to have to evaluate your actions. Now, some people, just because it's the way it's been, they think it's, going to, it's got to be the same way it has been. But uh, we don't want to be a has-been. And you don't want to live with that mentality. Well, this is the way it is. Well, God could help you to change. Imagine that. Wouldn't that be amazing that you actually changed for someone else? You changed in order to bless someone else. You actually were willing to change to bless your wife. Or you were willing to change to bless your husband. You were willing to change to bless your children. You were willing to change to bless uh, your friends. You were unwilling to stay the same. How many want to change in your life? I trust that's one of the reasons you come to church, so that the Word of God could transform you, it could change you, change your attitude, change your thinking, change your action, change your lifestyle. Change is here to stay. After you think about that a while, I'll say it again. Change is here to stay. In other words, change is not going to go away. You might as well involve yourself in it. You might as well participate with it because it's not going to go away. Somebody is going to change, and somebody's life is going to be better. And if you want yours to be better, you have to choose to change with life and change with God and change with the Word of God and allow change to be affected in your life. Get your mind renewed to the love of God. Choose to work no ill to your neighbor consider your words consider your attitude consider your action before you take it and if you do you'll find out that love will cause your relationships to be wholesome your marriage will be a place that you want to go home to praise God your house will be a place you want to go home to your children will be a place they want to go home to and when you get old they'd like to come visit And if you're already old, you're glad they're already coming, and you'd like to have some grandkids that you're able to see, praise the Lord, that you're able to relate with. And certainly I am not here to, if you've had some painful relationships, to to, uh, highlight that, but I am here to help you to have better relationships than you've ever had before. I believe God wants to grow your relationships. He wants life to be good. He wants life to be sweet. He wants you to enjoy God's best in all of your relationships, and if you'll choose the the love of God, if you'll choose the love ingredient being the main or the primary ingredient to all successful relationships, if you'll choose love, love will not fail. And that means your marriage will not fail, your friendships will not fail, your children will not fail, your future is bright because God's blessing is on your life. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit, our teacher. And we trust, Holy Spirit, that you are instructing your people and causing them to live lives blessed of you. And Father, in Jesus' name, we pray today. While every head is... The Bible says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, you can call on Jesus. You can call on him for your salvation. Salvation is a gift. It's not something you have to work for or you have to earn by your own merits. It's something that you receive by simple faith in the fact that Jesus died for your sin and that God raised him again from the dead. Just pray this simple prayer right now and call on the name of Jesus. Say, Dear God, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sin, and that you raised him again from the dead. I CONFESS YOU, JESUS, AS THE LORD OF MY LIFE. I RECEIVE YOU AS MY LORD AND MY SAVIOR. FRIEND, IF YOU PRAYED THAT PRAYER TODAY, YOU ARE SAVED. YOU'RE A CHILD OF GOD. GOD IS YOUR FATHER, AND HE HAS A GREAT PLAN FOR YOUR FUTURE. GIVE US A CALL TODAY AT THE NUMBER ON YOUR SCREEN. WE WANT TO SEND YOU A BOOK FREE OF CHARGE WITH NO OBLIGATION ON YOUR PART. IT'S OUR DESIRE TO BE A HELP TO YOU IN YOUR SPIRITUAL LIFE. AND WE BELIEVE THE BEST YEARS OF YOUR LIFE ARE AHEAD.
1: Life is not a sprint, it's a journey. And a bend in the road is not the end of the road. No matter what life throws at you, God has an answer.
0: In life we all have trials and tests and temptations that come against us. But there can be a life of joy that causes you to endure through the test. And you can rejoice your way to victory.
1: When life's moving too quickly, sometimes we just need to stop and realize that God's working on us. And one of the things he's trying to do is develop patience.
0: James chapter one says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing.
1: This series will help you learn that through everything life throws at you, there is a way to win and find joy that will bring you success you only imagine. This series includes the titles, Joy for the Journey, Count it All Joy, Joy in His Presence, and From Sorrow to Joy. God has a plan no matter what road you're on, and this series will help you and encourage you to enjoy every step. Order today.
0: We encourage you to call us today for this new series called Joy for the Journey. You can rejoice and you can have